Hello. And welcome to Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody and Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Well, I appreciate it since I haven't left your side since the last show. I got here safe. You better not leave my side. Ever. <laughs> well, speaking of not leaving your side, what's what's our topic for today? Well, October is Depression and Mental Health Awareness Month. So mm-hmm. we figured we'll touch on that. Like, you know, mental health is one of our passion. Mm-hmm. It really is. I, I think a lot of people that meet us, and we all do this from the outside. We, no one really knows what's going on in, in, inside of someone, in, inside of a relationship, inside, you know. And so this is very near and dear to my heart because it's something, and frankly, I, I, I'm going to share some things that probably a lot of my friends and family don't, don't even know. You know, I've had my own struggles. You've had, you've had some struggles that, that you've shared uh, with, with me. And uh, my daughter, who is 17, little Sophie, I was going to join us today, but had to go out of town. But she, she actually said she wasn't comfortable sharing those things at this point, you know, and, and some of the, her struggles, you know, because uh, I, I really wanted her feedback as, uh, as these kids are going through a, a literal crisis in mental health right now. Yeah, Utah is one of the leading um, states in, you know, youth mental health. Like they're like with all the struggles. And so that's why the governors have been working with um, NAMI and American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to try to get mental health under control. And NAMI is National Alliance for Mental Illness. So, yeah, I know you've you've done a lot of work with suicide prevention. You've been associated with a lot of people doing that. You almost actually had your. I just think you're brilliant, <laughs> but the, when we met, I mean, you you already have your master's in economics from Berkeley, and you're going back for your psychology degree, and only had a few more classes left. So I know, and then, and I'll let you share your story, but you know, with with what you've gone through, that that became an important issue to you, I think. And then when we started working together, and you kept leaving every Friday, <laughs> you're like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm just going to tutor some kids and. I thought maybe you, you know, I, 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 I didn't know. Maybe there was someone else, or, but no, it was it was really cool to, uh, you know, you, you weren't just taking psychology classes. You were taking your every Friday, and spending several hours up tutoring some of these, you know, children that that are in need, with that, which you usually is because of economics or other, you know, no, it's mental um, illness. That so kind of that program that I volunteer for, it's an AmeriCorps program. It puts children that's reading below their grade level yeah. in and then connect them with volunteers that will go in two times a week. So, and it's Monday and Wednesday, Yeah, you know, for at least about half an hour to an hour to spend time and just like help them with reading. You know, that's awesome. But there's a lot of underlying issues around that. Why, you know, why are they behind? Yes. And if and you look at the, some of those issues, you, you see a lot of mental illness behind, not necessarily the children, but the families. and It's a domino effect. Yeah. To a certain extent, right? Parents either have, a, um, some parents have addiction issues. 
that creates mental health within the family or some parents just have their own their own struggles and you know kids feel their energy and then it creates that environment for the children absolutely it definitely runs uh runs down through, through and i still i'm still a firm believer in mental health starts mm. in the home and it could start very young mm. if you can help stop that or start having conversations with those children even in elementary school or you know maybe sometimes elementary school you can't really tell because kids are still young middle school start them young mm-hmm. treat it teach them emotional resilience to help them get through that mm. yeah i mean i i'm the furthest expert uh, from from this topic i frankly sh- you know i'm just here to kind of listen and share some of my insights but but absolutely what I've learned as I've really prepared for this is just whether they're like, I, I really like that start when they're young, but these kids that have been, you know, their eighth, ninth, 10th grade, uh, going through COVID, there was already a, a slew of issues going on there. And then we, and then we have layer COVID on top of that, but getting these kids to just talk about it. Like that's, I think that's like 80% of the battle is getting them to just talk about it you know so and again i don't want to share too much with, without sophie's permission but one thing she did share with me is that she spent a lot of time in her room and i noticed even when she moved in she spent a lot of time in her room and she's that's gradually improving and her her emotional well wellness seems to be improving but i think with the covid shut down everything's shut down mm-hmm. you're shut down physically emotionally and you know, everything is shut down. If we didn't have each other, we probably would go crazy too. Yeah, definitely having a, a partner that has been through some things and under and has some compassion. I think that's and being able to trust each other to talk about it with, with each other. Hey, I'm off today. All right, I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> you know, we, we have these conversations, but I'm just telling you, you know, so you know, being being upfront with each other really helps us to I think coexist in the same house and same office. Yep. And then knowing what to do when you're struggling or when you're starting to feel that need to like, I'm starting to feel a little depressed. Like what can I do and all Mm -hmm. that stuff? So let's take a step back. What is depression? What do you think depression is? To be honest, I, I don't know. I mean, in my life, I've looked at... my Mine is more anxiety-driven. But I think if you drive the anxiety train too long, you begin to get depressed because you, you just get frustrated. And I think a lot of mine was unmet expectations or expectations that I shouldn't have had around what <laughs> should be happening in my life. And I, and I think once I... And unfortunately, you know, after after a significant period of time, I, I was put in a position where I had to deal with that. Yeah, so depression is more than just a feeling of sadness or going through some rough patches. It's um, It's more serious than that, right? It's a serious mental health condition that requires understanding and medical care. So how do we know if we're just in that, in a little divot? Or if we're in 
in a serious situation? I mean, I guess that that's my question is, and then when you're 16 and you really don't even know yourself yet, how do we get them help? How, how can we help? For me, I was, um, it's the feeling of being down, a downer all the time. It's like, you're sad. You're like, you can't get out of. Like you're sad about certain events or, you know, certain things that goes on in your life. And you, if you feel lost. But it's, it's, it sounds like it's pervasive, like it, it's, it's consistent and it's, per, it's pervasive. Yeah, so um, some of the symptoms of depressions are change in sleep, change in appetite, lack of concentration, loss of energy, lack of interest in activities, hopelessness or guilty thoughts, change in movement, physical aches and pains, and suicidal thoughts. Those mm. are just some of them. Well, and when you, when you say that, you know, you used a term when we started, you said we, we have a tendency to shut off. So we, we need to figure out how to shut on. How do we flip the switch on? And honestly, I've been on a journey I know now since I've, I met you, but I've been on a serious journey over the last year of trying to figure out how to turn that switch on and change my mindset and feel better. You know, it's uh, my anxiety started, you know, when I started really... I didn't know I had any anxiety issues until you, you get pushed, you know, life has a way, right? You get married, you have children, you have the business. Trauma, life Trauma, circumstances, yeah. changes in the brain, your medical condition, or even genetics are, for sure. you know, some of the causes of anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Usually you have depression, you also have anxiety. So there's, it goes through that path. Like, you know, for me, like, I'm very passionate about mental health and suicide because I've been through it. Yeah, tell us a little, like, to, are, I don't know if you're open to sharing, but I, I think our listeners would love to hear, like, what you went through. Yeah, I've, um, as a child, I was abused and neglect for a long time, and I've been asking for help. I've been crying for help. And there's nobody that listened. And you can't go to back then, like, you know, I start having suicidal thoughts and actually almost attempted at a very young age mm. in middle school. Mm. My counselor found out, called my mom in, instead of having compassion or understanding, I end up getting grounded for creating being an attention seeker and creating issues for her. Mm. So that was kind of where it started because I, my parents are divorced and my mom's a single mom and she doesn't have time for me. So it's like childhood growth that you want the love and care that you needed and you don't have it. So you seek that out. Mm. So I think that's why with her in her mind, it's, attention seeking it, yeah it's kind of the mind i think it was a, a mindset back in the day like yeah. it, it was just in my house i know we never talked about mental illness and there's a, there, and we have it runs through my family i can see very clearly now yeah I, I i experienced it but never if someone would have sat down and had a conversation with me and explained to me 
hey, we're not all perfect. And obviously we grew up and we see our parents for who they really are. They're just people trying to do the best they can. We all affect our children, unfortunately, and fortunately, you know, both good and bad, but uh, we, we tend to pass those things down. But I, but I hear what you're saying. I wish, we, I wish I would have, someone would have sat me down and had a conversation with me and explained to me, you know, it's okay to not feel good all the time. It's okay to feel, you're going to feel anxiety. You know, you're going to feel these feelings and, and what, what are you going to do about it? How do, you, how do you deal with it? It's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it's okay, yeah. Isn't there a and, song out? Yeah. And asking for help okay not is not a coward move. Yeah, absolutely. So Utah right now is holding this week, the, all the governors from all across the country are in Utah holding an event talking about mental illness. And they're trying to get it out of the federal hands down to the govern down to the state so that they can address it and, and be more flexible and, and and be more specified to to what their needs are my point in sharing that is i think there's a there's a lot of education out there right now and people people are aware that we, we do we need to look at this differently so yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt your situation but i see that it's just it made it hard to talk about back then it's getting but they're well on and it. the resources that the states are providing aren't enough. Like back in California, when I was going through, you know, serious um, mental health issues, you can't get into your um, psychologist and you're in desperate need of talking to somebody and there's mm -hmm. no resources available. Well, and, and they're saying it's still that way. These kids end it's, up in the emergency room because there's no, there's nowhere else to take them. They can't. I end up in the emergency room because of a cry for help and they can't do anything. And yeah. if you're suicidal, they strap you down in a bed and until they and try to force that out and like give you, you know, Valium or, you know, drugs that will help you calm you down. Yeah. Like, is that really the answers? It's not. But then when I moved to Utah, Utah have more resources, in my opinion. I was having a crisis. I was able to call and they have a crisis counselor that you can go in and talk to somebody. Like, go now. They always say, like, if you call, they'll try to get you in or find you somebody. So it's better than California, but California has a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. I get it. But Utah has better resources. And I think that's... Um, it helps me in a way that is not. Well, I think that's why they're holding this event in in Utah, because not just because we, we I, our issue is large here. We have a lot of children, uh, a higher rate of depression in Utah among youth, but we're also doing a lot of good things uh, to, to work on that. So I, I know I, I believe that's why they're decided to meet here and share good practices like what's working, what's not working. Yeah, um, Governor Cox and Governor Herbert have worked pretty hard in the last, like, few years. Like, since I moved here, I've noticed they always, and then when I got involved with AFSP in suicide prevention here, you know, they're doing a lot of things. We're doing a lot of lobbying work to help um, the governor, so. Yeah, we actually walked the 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 parade for oh that was uh lbg it's pride week it was pride week 
Yeah, and mental health and suicide are big among the LGBTQ yeah. community. So we're just raising awareness, and then we do. Um, there's a, a we walk in the parade, Pride Week parade. Yes, yeah, so we were down supporting the suicide prevention. What what's the association? What's the name of it? American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Gotcha. Yeah, and then. So we walked the parade, and it was interesting <laughs> because I kept having all these people come up and tell me how much they you know, they love me and <laughs> that everything was gonna be okay. Uh, you know, I was there supporting. So, but it, it was neat to see that people are trying to reach out. Yeah, and there's a lot of resources these days, you know, but a lot of people are still not comfortable asking for help. Yeah. So we, get, we need to create a safe environment for them to, to be able to do that. Yeah, that's why that Safe Utah app for teenagers in schools, those are have been critical. Mm. And I think they're trying to expand that app. Mm. Yeah. So what what's helped you? Like you, you, I would like when I met you, I would never have guessed that you had had any depression issues. Uh, what 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 did you do that? Made- I spent 20 years in therapy. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> And then as like, you know, but it takes some time to find the right therapy for you, Mm -hmm. for your condition. And that works with you. Everybody's body is built differently. Your brain is built differently. But it's just like, sometimes it's also like you're, you want to get better, but are you willing to go back to the pain that caused it and relive it? Mm Mm-hmm. But then if you're not willing to do that, sometimes that's your only way out. You have to relive that um, episode or whatever, that trauma that's causing you, and then pull it out of you. Release it. Release you, you it. You learn how to release yeah. it. Yeah. And then you can move on, like forgive yourself, forgive those that hurt you or that you hurt, and then move on. Yeah, I think forgiveness is a, is a key too, right? Because... When, when you're struggling, I mean, it's you, you, It's very easy to point fingers <laughs> around everywhere but yourself. Yeah, but you're in that downer. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, everything's bad. You're in a very dark place. When you're in that dark place, what do you do to try to get out of it? Like sometimes you're so numb that sometimes you don't know how to feel. And that's how I start cutting at a very young age is that. I'm so numb that I don't know if I know how to feel. So you start cutting and cutting is a way of release. And it's also an addiction that it's is hard to kind of. So you're just, you're just struggling to feel something. Is that, yeah. that that's where cutting like comes you're from. very numb. You're mm. in a dark place mm. that you're, you just want to feel to know that you're human again, that you feel. So mm. that's why people turn to substance abuse. Yeah. You know, addiction, e- cutting. E- e- eating disorders are a big one, right? Yeah. I don't know what the statistics are, but it turns into, like you say, addictions, eating disorders, be all kinds of behavioral yep. changes. So for me, it's cutting. Yeah. But when you stop cutting... I think cutting and alcohol are, and even drug addictions are like the hardest because even with cutting, when you stop cutting, when you try to pull away, 
and try to be more emotional resilience and try to get that, you still have that urge deep down. Mm. And it's fighting that urge is so hard and painful. Interesting. They always say once a cutter, always a cutter. Mm. It's but it's just like that feeling of release. Mm. It's like so powerful in that. Interesting. Mine was the opposite. I was trying to numb myself. And I remember we were driving home from California. I had, we had six kids in the car and I, <laughs> I, I didn't do a lot of these trips because I, you know, I just, you know, in a suburban with six kids and, and we, we would leave late at night and, you know, let the kids sleep or whatever. And, but we were coming back and so everyone was awake and it was two in the morning and, and, uh, my wife handed me a Xanax and said, here, just, just calm down, would you? Because <laughs> I was in the, I was, I was, she was driving and, and I was getting kind of frustrated. And anyway, so that, that was the first time in my life I had ever not felt any anxiety. Like it was the first time in 27 years, 20, 30 years I hadn't felt anxiety. I was like, well, that's a magic pill. And, uh, you know, and, and so I went to my doctor, got a prescription and started taking Xanax and, you know, and you say, well, I'm going to take one and then the one at night, right? And then you, you start taking one in the afternoon and, hey, I've got an important meeting. I have a big seminar, whatever the case is. And you start to numb because it, it's just easy. Yeah, most of these antidepressants um, or even like pills that are antidepressants, SSIDs, those are pretty addicting. Like I was on like throughout my 20 years of being in therapy, I've been on almost every single medication you could find yeah. on the market. Like they try this, oh, this one didn't work, let's try this. But the withdrawals that you get from coming off of those pills are so tiring and painful that it's just like you hate that feeling. So it just like, so for me, like I don't want to be dependent on those pills, so I have to get... um to become more emotional resilience, like know what to do when there's a trigger, know mm -hmm. what to do when you're trying to get, get that downer. And having our little dog, Gracie, helps too. You know, she's up, like, you know, you you're start um, feeling down and she's a sensitive. She'll come she'll come to you and start like licking and just wants to play with you to mm -hmm. cheer you up. So, you know, having a pet does help a lot of people with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. That's why you see a lot of emotional support dogs. Well, I think we're, we're definitely, we've been, and we've been told this by, by a lot of people, we're, we're definitely both codependents. Uh, and I think we, we, we feel very comfortable with each other and we feel that strength from each other, but we're, I would say we're healthy codependents. Like we're not driving each other into, into bad situations or bad habits We're you know, we're support, we're there to support. But at the same time, you know, I have my life, you have your life, and, and, and we, we allow ourselves uh, room to live that. And, and that's honestly one of the things that I appreciate is you allowing me to kind of find my own path through, through this. I mean, it is an independent journey. Absolutely. But having somebody that understands you and walk beside you yeah. and help you through that is important. Yeah. Because I remember fighting my battles alone. My mom doesn't feel like she, she's got any mental health issues, that she's the cause or anything. She's just like, you know, oh, you go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you crazy. 
no, it's not. Yeah, and it's yeah. still like in her world, you go see a psychologist, you're nuts. You know, mm, you need to mm. be admitted into a psychiatric ward or something. That's like in her mind, it's still, it is what it is. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, ne- mental health has come a long way. Mm-hmm. There's more awareness. There's more education around Res- resources, it. Resources, yeah. Yep. So, you know, be happy, be healthy, and just work through your stuff. It's I know it's hard to like recognize what your issues are and try to work on it, but the first step is recognizing that you're struggling and asking for help. That's the biggest step you can do for to get yourself out of this to be more mentally healthy. But you know, throughout all this, like the Biden administration have passed the COVID-19 package that's um like I think it's the American Rescue Act to help um you know pour money into emotional wellness of the American people. So nearly 4 billion dollars for states and local mental health and substance use services, school-based mental health programs and workforce training. Mm. That's part of that bill. $140 million in funding to promote mental health among healthcare professionals and first responder. That's big because going through COVID, those healthcare workers and first responders are like widely affected. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because they don't know what's going on and they're dealing with a crisis. And now it's our turn to take care of them. That has been taking care of And same with the vets. No one knows what that person's been through. Yep. Severe PTSD. Yeah. And there, um, that bill also provides incentive to expand Medicaid coverage, which helps people with mental illness who lacks insurance. You know, there's 12 remaining states that haven't done that, so it's providing more funding for that. And then more than $26 billion to help people maintain or get housing, including people with serious mental illness experiencing mm. homelessness. Mm. And then it provides additional federal Medicaid funding to expand mobile crisis team, which helps people experiencing mental health crises and $420 million for mental health services in the Indian health service. Oh, good. Yeah. So these are, you know, very critical funding that's needed in the mental health industry. Well, I think it looks like you said it, it, if you don't deal with it, you're going to deal with it later. <laughs> if you don't deal with it, the sooner you can address it, the better. Because, it, you know, and, and, and as you read those stats and the amount of money that's been poured into emotional resilience and, and emotional men, wellness, men, mental health. And, yeah. you know, we can say, oh, you know, just more spending. It's more spending. Well, if we don't address this, uh, you're going to go 10, 15, 20 years down the road and you're going to have much bigger problems. Yeah, we drive by um, Rio Grande, like Gateway. You still see a lot of homeless with addiction issues, you know, there. But if you, does anybody ever, like, take the time to talk to them? But sometimes, like, I try talking to them every once in a while. And I get scared because it's just like you don't know what they're on. And so it's hard because... I'm not a professional yeah. to be able to talk to him, but sometimes you just want to have compassion and try to, you know, try to help them and just be their friend. Yeah. My opinion, especially with me having six children, is let, let's get these youth. Let, let's not let them get into that same predicament. Because I think 
we had this mental illness wave come across the country and then the drugs filled that void and you know the heroin and the meth and then it turned into you know stronger and stronger stuff and well even marijuana cannabis yeah like yeah in some states it's legal and but it's just like i feel like that's kind of a gateway to bigger things but it's just like it helps it helps numb the pain or heck helps take the edge off Mm -hmm. for a lot of people and but it's just like our teens especially like children shouldn't even be they're like a white canvas Mm -hmm. right yeah how you want to paint that canvas yeah and it's amazing to me how many youth are are like like weed is just it's a part of their life now, and their brain like you're saying their brains aren't even developed. Yeah, your brain's not fully developed until you're 25. Yeah. So if you inject those harmful substances into your body or like even process that through, yeah, yeah. there's, you know, it changes the wiring for 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 your for life. You, yep. And I, and I just want to state we're pro-cannabis, we're pro-research as far as medical, medical. You know, needed. You know, I, I'm not, we're not knocking any of that because there's, there's definitely. There's some, pros and cons yeah. to everything, but for, for teenagers, I don't think it is the right move no, because their no. brain's not fully developed. No, I agree. And I think that's, but a lot of, I mean, it's amazing how easy access kids can have oh, with yeah, all yeah. you know anything the, they want yeah i i do see sophie one one of the things i see is she, you know she she's involved in cheer and i think that's honestly saved her her life like it's just it gives it's her, her way out yeah it's her safe place it's her she she's able to express herself and and be and just enjoy that and i had soccer that that's that, my whole life and that and i had um slave labor <laughs> <laughs> that's why i always find a way to go to school take more classes because that's my way out that was interesting you know and i actually had that conversation with my mom earlier this week and it struck her by surprise she's she had made a comment about like you know at least like you always go to school and you're you know you're good in school and yeah. i said well it's my only way out yeah. from that and i think reality hit her Wow. And it took her by surprise. Wow. She's like, what? I didn't know that. You, I thought you, you, you were using it to kind of numb the situation, so to yep. speak. It, and, then just, it be, and it big, became a habit. You know how to study now, but but I understand what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah. So everybody has the different ways out. It just You just have to find a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know what to do in those situations. And it's hard because like sometimes you don't know how to pull out of like and please don't tell people to like snap out of it pull out of it yeah that's a trigger words yeah like my mom always say that when i'm depressed and when i'm feeling down that's a trigger word yeah if somebody's feeling if you see that they're not feeling well or they're depressed or feeling down give them a hug mm-hmm. or just sit down and not say anything and just be there for them mm. That's the least you can do yeah. for yeah. someone. Be their friend. Have compassion. A lot of a lot of times, these teens or these children are are misbehaving in other forms uh, as a way of uh, of dealing with that as well. Yeah. So that can be a 
that can be a sign, you know. But there, there's help. You know, yeah. if you're, if you're struggling, your healthcare provider, you know, talk to your um, primary care physician. They, he or she can give you referrals to see um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. There's also counselors that you can see. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you don't know, NAMI has a hotline, and that you know that you can text or or um, call. It's one eight hundred nine five zero six two six four. But if you're feeling suicidal or having suicidal thoughts, nine eight eight is the suicide prevention hotline. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a new one. Yep, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad they made that easier. For yeah. kids, nine eight eight. Oh, for all, for all of us, right? Like we all. Yeah, we've been fighting for that for years, and finally, you know, we got it, and that was our biggest success. I look at my my highest depression, anxiety periods of my life, and the biggest thing for me was just to get out and move my body. I, I talk, you know, you give me a hard time about the gym, and you know, people. I enjoy, I enjoy it, but I did it coming out of a severe episode and, and really started to just move my body. And I didn't realize how overweight I had gotten. <laughs> and so that was a, a, a good byproduct of, of what's happened. But now it's just a habit. I just literally have to get up and move my body. And I think we have Eastern medicine, we have Western medicine. Western medicine is talk therapy and, and historically, I'm saying medications and I, I struggle with some of that because you you essentially are just kind of numbing the, the the wires that need to need to be addressed. But when we've I brought up my retreat that I went to in Sedona a few times that that was they, they came up from a from more of an Eastern medicine, you know, which is you know we're all kind of full of all of our cells are just full of energy and and our, what kind of energy is it and. And we have these emotional memories. And like you said, we, sometimes we, we don't even know what those are. But if we can go in and take the time to work on ourselves, we can find those things out. But moving our body, that, that's going to move that energy and get it, you know, sitting in our room, go for a walk. We have winter coming here in Salt Lake. And, you know, and we had a barbecue with our neighbors. We're like, well, this is, you guys aren't going to see us for about <laughs> four months. So everyone. Yeah, seasonal depression is a thing. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I get it, especially in the winter, because, like, you can't go do stuff. But you just have to be happy and healthy and just know what, how to keep your mental health healthy. Yep. And not everybody knows how to do that. Yep. But just find an, a healthy outlet that's not alcohol or substances. Like in the winter, what well, who, what are we? Who is the doctor that came and spoke with us up at altitude? Uh, Dr. Matt Townsend. Matt, Ta- Matt Townsend. And he said the number one thing, he says, I see it over and over and over is people are trying through some measure to numb, to numb. Don't numb. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah feel it yeah just let it's yourself okay to feel it it's okay to feel bad right feel it let it hurt let it bleed and let it heal that's the best advice i can give and just keep going keep moving it's okay to not be okay 
and it's okay to ask for help. So let's end with that because I think that's that's perfect advice. And for some of you that may need to hear this today, you're beautiful and you're loved and you matter. Yeah. I want to end there because I don't want to ruin what you just said, but we were in a conversation with someone the other day and they said, how, like, how can I love myself if I don't feel like anyone around me loves me? And so I think finding that love for yourself and being able to, you know, whether it be movement of your body, help therapy, talk therapy, medication, whatever's needed there. I'm not taking anything off the table, but that's got, you got to figure out how to, find that from within instead of without everything starts within yeah absolutely so so you asked in the beginning of this like what was the source of my anxiety i was literally striving for all these things that had no pertinence to my happiness whatsoever and the biggest one was okay i got to provide for six kids and we have a big house and i got my business and you know so that i was on a mission (laughs) i was on a mission to save the world financially and become financially wealthy. And that, that, that's not what, what I've found ultimately is I wasn't enjoying the process. I forgot, I forgot myself along the way. And that's one of the biggest source of depression, anxiety is that you want to um, take control of things that you can't control. Yeah. That's the a, outside that's a huge, factor. huge one for me. Absolutely. But, you know, we can't control what other people think, what other people say. You can't control what other people think, but you can control how you think of yourself. Yeah. And if you do have that love for yourself, that that comment that someone makes to you or that offensive whatever, or you, it, it just bounces off, right? Because you know who you are. Yeah. Once you know who you are, you know, you, you ultimately become bulletproof from that because you know, you, you know your value. And I think that's so key is figuring out the, your, your, your self value. What, what, what are you worth? Yeah. It's like when somebody um, say things that hurt your feelings, it's like they just put a knife in through your chest, right? You feel pain. Yeah. And then you think about what they said and how that hurt. It's like you keep poking yourself with that same knife. Mm, yeah. It's a good example. Right. Yep. So, in order for you to stop that is just pull that knife out, set it aside, try to heal your wounds, stop the bleeding mm-hmm. and move on. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing. Amen. Amen. Like we've both said, this is very near and dear to our hearts. I've, I, I see my kids struggle. I, I've seen my struggle. My I've seen my parents struggle. I've seen my grandparents struggle. I didn't know. I, I didn't really understand how mental illness and addiction, how they were all connected. And one of the big things that became very clear to me is that I've healed. And again, coming back to some of the work I've been doing is I've, I've been able to heal some of that generational trauma and, and really learn to value and love myself. I, I don't, I don't need, I don't need anyone else to tell me I'm valuable, you know? So anyway, uh, hopefully we can get that to our children and help them to figure out how to do that and how to how to take care of themselves and and open up and f- and feel safe. Yeah, again, there's resources that you can call or text NAMI 
if um, if you're struggling with mental health, and that number again is 1-800-950-6264, or if you're struggling with um, suicide or having suicidal thought, 988, you can call or text that number as well. Or you can call me or Kathy, and we're available to talk to anyone that is in, that can hear our voices. Uh, you, you are valuable, and like you said, if, if you're in that state, reach out to someone yeah. and just talk to Reach out to, to someone. Yep. You know, we're here for you. Yep. You know, we're your friends, yep. not just, you know. Absolutely. There. And you're beautiful. You're, you matter. And we love you. All right, with that said, let's uh, let's have a great weekend. We're going to go, or what are we doing today? <laughs> I was going to say we're going to go play, but it's getting kind of chilly. Yep. So we're just enjoying the last bit of the, warmth. The last few hours of warmth. Yep. This fall has just been unbelievable, though. It's just been so, so beautiful. And, but we need water, so I'm, I'm hoping that comes. But anyway. All right, have a great week. Peace out. Peace out. That's it for this week's episode of Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody Kathy. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. This is Cody and Kathy wishing you a love-filled life full of prosperity. Have a good week. Peace out. Peace out.